Cool. I am Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I am coming to you today with a new friend and an inspiration for all things play, Gary Ware, who is the CEO and the founder of Breakthrough Play, whose mission is to help people become more creative, confident, and collaborative using play and improvisation. I am so lit up every single time I see you and talk to you, Gary, and I appreciate you being here so very much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Pasha. I'm super excited. I remember our first conversation, and afterwards, uh, you would think that uh, I just got done, uh, like, exercising or something because I was lit up with all the endorphins and dopamine and stuff like that. And so, yeah, that, that's what happens when amazing people uh, connect. Yeah, such great connection and fun storytelling. And of course, we laugh, but we also tell stories of our heartaches and our traumas and, and how those were catalyst moments to come to this place of play. And I think we shared that almost immediately. So I always appreciate these wholehearted, vulnerable conversations that people are willing to have. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, well, I already opened that floodgate. So why don't we just start there? My catalyst. Yes. My catalyst moment for um, going into this field of play and pleasure and laughter was fear of my youngest son um, dying from a chronic illness, which he's still suffering from. And we use play every single day to get through the day and to keep that kid in the game. Um, so for me, it is life-saving. And ironically, or coincidentally, perhaps, you created a uh, TED Talk called what? How play saved my life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I was suffering from uh, a chronic illness uh, called burnout and in adulting, you know, that is something where, because uh, in my talk, I talk about how when I was younger, I was that playful kid. Uh, you know, uh, we, we share another similarity, uh, ADHD. Yeah. Um, and growing up, it was something that I was, you know, I, you know, we talk like in the 80s, it was like, oh, yeah, it's a thing, but, you know, not really. So I wasn't actually formally diagnosed until uh, I was in my 20s. However, as a kid, I was full of play. Uh, play was like play was my jam. And my dad, he gave me uh, some words of wisdom that said, you know, son, play is great, uh, but just make sure you get your work done. You know, that's that's important. And, you know, when you have a structured environment like school, uh, yeah, that that works like, you know, you're going to be excited uh, to play and it's going to keep you moving through your work and, and then vice versa. And it's this awesome cycle. Well, fast forward to being an adult and being out of college and, and being into my career, I heard my dad's voice in my head, son, you can play when the work is done. And I really wanted to play, but I felt guilty. Mm. I you know thought like, well. I still have so much to do. Uh, maybe I should play later. And I was suffering from what Dr. Stuart Brown calls play deprivation. And I, you know, on paper, everything looked great. I, I had the career of my dreams. I, you know, I could just check everything off. I've done all these things, but on the inside, I was feeling broken. I was feeling miserable. I would go on vacations and I would come back. And within like days or it seemed like hours, I felt like I needed another vacation. 
Um, I was experiencing anxiety. I was experiencing uh, all kinds of like mental health uh, situations. And, but I didn't know what was up and fortunate for me, the thing that was the, the, the anecdote uh, came by accident uh, when I took an improv class and I got that experience of play. And after two hours of, you know, just that sort of playful environment, I left feeling rein, like reinvigorated. And it was like, what would just happen? And I was hooked. And in, in my te- you know, TED Talk, I talk about how most people on Sundays are dreading Mondays, but I was excited for Monday because that was improv. And I started talking about because I had that consistent avenue of play in my life, things started shifting. You know, the everything was still the same. I was still working. There were still challenges, but my whole perspective shifted. Mm. Um, instead of seeing the world as a proving ground where I was trying to prove myself, prove my worthiness, I was seeing it as a playground of possibilities. And and I know I'm from Southern California and it may seem very woo-woo, but there's a lot of science to back this up that when you incorporate play into your day-to-day, um, you know, you you receive all of these things. And so especially someone that, um, you know, had ADHD and at the time it wasn't something that I spoke openly about. So here I am. Uh, struggling, trying to keep up and and keep all of these things at bay. And I'm not doing the thing that our mutual uh, friend Kirsten Milliken talks about in her book, Play DHD. I wasn't doing the thing that was going to help me. So right. uh, there you have it. Yes, fantastic. And do you feel like going to improv every week that the practice of it or the consistency of it was important to keep reminding yourself of it and having somebody give you kind of permission to play? Agreed. Yes, that was that was um, it. It was it was key because it was just almost like it, it was that uh, you know dose of medicine. You know, every week. You know, I I had um, you know two hours of complete presence. I you know there's no technology. Um, you know, we're engaging, we're playing around, we're having fun. And one of the things that which got me into the work that I'm doing now is that I started. Uh, seeing how the games that we're playing actually uh, I, how I can apply it outside of the theater. Yes. Because I have this belief, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so when you're in this sort of playful environment, playing these silly games that are teaching you how to listen better, how to make the people that you're around look good. Like you can't just turn that off. I guess you can once you leave the theater, but like it, becomes ingrained in you because it reminds me of a stat by Dr. Um, uh, Karen Previs and she studied children and how children learn through play. And she said to create a synapse in the brain Mm. takes 400 repetitions normally. However, if you incorporate play, you can shortcut that to 20 repetitions. That's a fantastic statistic. So when you go into businesses and you try to, you know, strategically sell play uh, through productivity and engagement, yes. then then does that light them up when they hear this statistic? That's great. Agreed. Yeah. Especially because most people, uh, most adults, yes. when you hear about play, they have the same sort of thing mindset that I did. It's like, oh, we don't have time for that. And so you're absolutely right. I had to mask it as yes. personal development as productivity, as 
all of those other things. And by the way, the way that I deliver it is through play. And by doing it that way, it's going to secure your investment because you're going to ensure that your learners are going to actually retain this information and use it at a further date. Yes. I talk to teachers and some leaders and I say it as you can't have an aha without a haha, which helps them remember it. I almost want to make a t-shirt on that um, to remind people, but it's, it's helpful. And it doesn't diminish your professionalism or your authority to bring in play and laughter, right? Agreed. And matter of fact, I feel like it enhances it. Yes. Um, I did another talk for Creative Mornings where I was talking about what I call play plus. Mm. Play is that condiment that makes everything taste better. When you add a sprinkle of play, you know, Mary Poppins said it, you know, for every job that must be done, add an element of fun and snap, yes. the job's a game. Yeah. That's the thing. When you are playing, you're actually because of the vulnerability and, and, and the safetyness that it creates, you're actually allowing yourself to be your real self. Like for example, um, you know, I thought I needed to be a professional. So I was putting on the mask of a professional and I was sort of, um, uh, suffocating the part of myself that wanted to be seen because mm -hmm. I didn't think it was worthy. Um, and I was sort of, you know, putting that aside. Um, and I wasn't being my true self uh, because I wanted to be seen as a certain way because I figured that was the best way to be, um, you know, seen as a professional or get approval. And I feel like most people are doing that. Yes. And that is taking up uh, valuable resources because I have this belief that everything is energy. Mm. And energy is everything. So if you're using valuable um, valuable resources hiding yourself, how are you going to like be productive? Yes. You know, because energy is everything and everything's energy. And so as a way to remember this, the people who are listening to the audio podcast, just know that energy is everything. And, then, and then if you everything is YouTube, energy. Yes. If you can check it up on YouTube, he's holding up a little sign. Yes. And, and, and so this one of the things where it's, Look at it. Energy is everything. And everything is energy. Whoa, he just did a magic trick. You got to check this out. That's cool. Oh, wow. Yes, you have, you have many talents. I, and it's reminding me of a podcast I just heard uh, from Brene Brown, who said that the biggest challenge of leadership is not the fear, but the armor we wear. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not ourselves. It doesn't feel authentic. And, and frankly, we can't even maintain, sustain this, right? I can't sustain a level of, um, you know, perfectionism or uh, whatever. It's, I'm not going to hold it. So it's not true. And then it feels uh, un and then it feels like I'm um, an imposter. And then I go down the, the shame shit show mm -hmm. cycle. <laughs> and before I know it, I'm not leading well at all. Yeah. So if I can lead with vulnerability and laughter and messiness, I'm that I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So good. And so when you go into companies and you're sitting in front of a room for the first time with people who probably haven't played or had permission to play in maybe years, possibly even decades. How, what's your favorite way to just warm them up and get those juices flowing? Yeah. So it's all about, you bring up a really great point, Pasha, is that 
we um you can't just force someone to play they have to be invited to play and they have to be willing to play mm -hmm. and when you are dealing with people that are suffering from play deprivation the first thing uh that i i do is i create the rules of the playground i said these are our agreements again to create this feeling of psychological safety that hey guess what we're going to make mistakes it's all good um you know can we all agree that um you know it's all about being present we're going to accept and build on ideas once you lay out the rules of the game mm -hmm. you start to get those nods and people are like all right cool then it's all about easing people in so i love doing something that is it's it feels playful but it doesn't require a lot of um sort of putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And it could be as simple as, hey, guess what? Um, you know, we're going to collaborate on a story. All you have to do is say yes. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell the story. And then, you know, um, and I'm asking questions and people are saying yes, yes, yes. Like it's, for example, um, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, should we tell a story about a knight in shining armor? Everyone's like, yes. Yeah. All right, cool. You know, is that knight uh, trying to rescue a Danzo in distress? Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, does the knight battle a dragon? You know, yes. You know, does the uh, does the knight save the damsel in distress? Yes. You know, do they live happily ever after? Yes. And then just again, by everyone just sort of engaging, it's very playful. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, quick. It's easy. And it creates that moment of connection. Yes. And that's what's essential is that. And this is when I work with with leaders, I say, imagine that when you start your talk, especially because of everything that people have, they have their armor. Mm -hmm. And not only do they have their armor, they have a beehive on their head. <laughs> How effective do you think your talk is going to be mm. with that environment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably not that good. Because again, they're distracted with thoughts. They have armor on. So they're just like, you know, all closed up. But imagine if you take a moment and build connection you're building rapport through play mm -hmm. and you could dissolve all of that imagine how much more effective that talk will be because now the people are ready to receive it yes and i could see how this would translate so well to teachers at schools and parents at home with their kids it's it's everything it's everything is energy and everything and energy is everything and play yes. Yes. And so how do you incorporate, I just talked to, um, speaking of ADHD, um, Ari Tuckman, who wrote Adult ADHD and ADHD After Dark, just did yes. a podcast. Um, it'll be coming up soon. And we talked about how to incorporate um, play into our relationships and to keep them engaged. And so for you and uh, for people you work with, how do you see that working out, like bringing play into the home life? Well, I don't know who said this, um, but <laughs> I heard, <laughs> you know what? Let's just give you credit because you probably said this, um, you know, couples that play together, stay together. I didn't, but it's a really good idea. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, and it's true. And it's it goes back to the work of researcher Jane McGonigal. Uh, she wrote a few amazing books. One, Reality is Broken, uh, Super Better. And she, for decades, had been studying the effects of play on everything. And this is something that's very fascinating, very interesting. When you play, you're in this state that is, um, it's almost 
like an imaginary state because in order to play you have to leave your sort of beliefs and and stuff at the door and suspend that for the rules of the game example if anyone's ever played golf the rules of golf are ridiculous you have a small ball and a stick and you're trying to get the ball into a hole 350 yards away that is not effective that's not an effective way of doing it yet we do it because that's the rules of the game so again going back to play yes when you're playing especially in groups whether it's a romantic relationship or family dynamic or team dynamic when you're playing you are bonding and they say that if you were to have like ekg machines the wavelengths of all the people in the session will start to line up Mm. that that's a normal uh, consequence of having that playful moment. The other cool thing is you're creating all the neurochemicals that make you like the other person, dopamine, mm -hmm. um, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. The, that's like the, uh, I like to call the angel's cocktail that when you're done, you're like, well, you know what? We had a great experience. Yeah. You were there. I must like you like, you know, I like this experience. You were there. So I must like you. So we must be cool. And again, it's all through the power of play. Yes, I could see how that would lead straight into some beautiful conversation. I'm thinking about partnership and intimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And that you can incorporate play. I think sprinkling it in into even challenging days is one of the things I work on all the time um, and how well kids respond to it. And it shifts everything. If you're trying to get a kid to do their homework or take their medicine and you just incorporate a little bit of play into it so much easier and it, it's a practice. Um, and I'm so glad I have it now. We started, I think we were starting with, uh, we put a, I put a disco ball in the bathroom. So toothbrushing time, teeth brushing time would be a little more fun. And we, we turn off the lights, we brush up to the disco ball. And we sometimes dance. And yesterday, I think you saw this on Instagram. I, we, I just got rid of our dining room table and I put a ping pong table there instead. And my son walked downstairs. He's like, why is there a ping pong table in our dining room? I said, who says this is a dining room? This is a game room. And, and he's like, where are we going to eat dinner? I said, we're going to eat dinner at the ping pong table. And we're playing. And we're playing just before we do some boring homework. Or we're playing just before we do a chore, take some medicine. Yeah. Shifted everything in the last 24 hours. So there's always ways to bring it in. And I think that holds people up. Like one, they don't have time or they don't have energy or it isn't valued in their home, but you can create it and you can yes. make it part of your lifestyle and shift it at any time, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the things where it's all about a state of being. Yes. And it, it, we are all wired for play and we need to create that state where, you know, we go back to our normal state of being. Mm -hmm. And I like to say, um, you know, we need to find our way back to the playground uh, because I said earlier, uh, and I learned uh, this from a mentor of mine. Her name is Gwen Gordon, and she was the one who taught me about the different lenses that we see the world through, uh, that we either see the world as a proving ground, um, as a battleground or a playground. And and so I was curious about that. And and again, I used to have that mindset of like, oh, it's another thing I have to add to the, um, you know, to our uh, to-do list and, mm -hmm. and you're already overwhelmed as it is. And I said, 
there has to be a process or a practice, if you will, that will inherently get us back to that state of playfulness. And after, uh, you know, sort of studying playful people um, and thinking about in the moments when I was the most playful, I realized there are four virtues that if you practice on a daily basis, helps you be playful more often than not. Okay, I can't wait for this. And so, but... Yeah, let, let's just dive in. So the first one, and this one um, is very challenging, uh, but it's a necessity. And Brene Brown talks about this too. This is all about um, committing to joy. And what that means is you commit to doing the things that are going to bring you joy because joy compared to happiness is more intrinsic. Mm. I feel like happiness is circumstantial. Um, you know, I got a new car that made me happy six months from now, the level of happiness is not going to be the same, but there's something about joy that lights you up from the inside out. Um, so that's the first one. And as it pertains to committing to joy, I have this belief that joy can coexist with other complex uh, emotions, like for example, grief or sorrow. Um, you know, your, you know, your son has a condition and, um, and we'll talk about the third one uh, in just a moment and this a big one, but your son has a condition. You can't change that. And there's probably moments of pain. However, committing to joy, committing to the things that are going to bring joy, like having some moments of, of ping pong um, is, you know, going to help you get through that. And again, those two things can coexist at the same time. It doesn't mean, and most people sort of delay it. They're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do joy after we get through the pandemic. Right now we're in the pandemic um, and that's not thriving. That is just barely surviving. And that brings me to uh, virtue number two, and you're a master of this too, maximizing power-ups. And what I mean is, again, um, you know, energy is everything uh, and everything is energy. People that are playful are mindful of their energy levels. They're mindful of the energy that they need to do certain tasks. So as a result, they're going to do the things that are going to give them the energy so that they can do that. I'm someone that uh, uh, is thriving with ADHD. And I know that when I have to do boring things like invoicing or whatever, um, I better as hell make it fun or else it's not going to get done. (laughs) I'm going to sit outside and listen to birds while I do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ex- ag- again, maximizing power-ups. Yes. How can you power yourself up so that you can be the best version of yourself? And that might mean getting more rest. Mm. Because I found that, uh, and this is true, that when you're in a, a stressful state, you're going to be less likely to want to play. And that's true for all mammals as when you're fight, flight, or freeze, your uh, limbic system's taking over, you're not being creative, and you're not going to want to play because you you are in survival mode. And the quickest way out of that is to give yourself what you need. Again, maximizing power-ups means doing what is necessary. And sometimes that is saying, you know what? I'm not going to play right now. I'm going to rest right now because this is what my body needs. Yes. Yes. And that brings me to number three. And this is important. This is um, just uh, accepting reality. Playful people realize that there are things within our control and things outside of our control. If you play any sort of game, whether it's a video game or sports game or whatever, 
there, you know, you have to accept that sometimes you're good, sometimes you're not, but that doesn't keep you from playing. And again, I want to just take a moment and acknowledge and admire you, Pasha, is that you could have just been, oh, you know, this are circumstances and and woe is me, Uh, but you accepted reality. Mm -hmm. And you said, not only do I accept that, you did what we do in in improv, you yes and that. You said, yes, this is true. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to let that define us. We are going to um, we're going to experiment. We're going to play around with strategies to help us thrive. Yes. And playful people do that. Yes. And then by doing all of that, then you make way for the fourth virtue. And that is seeking out invitations to play. Nice. And so that is, you know, looking for people that are playmates to go play. That is also looking at the universe as the universe is one big uh, playmate, and maybe some of the things that showed up in your existence is an invitation to be playful. Um, you know, it's all about how you look at it. Um, and some people may look at, um, I was talking to a friend, <clears throat> excuse me, who is an author and was dealing with some some trolls, um, not just the the cute trolls that you see on TV. These are the trolls on the internet that just want nothing but, yes, right, the haters. And I said, imagine if you saw that as an invitation to play. Yes. What would you do differently? Yes. And so those are the four virtues. And I look at it as a practice in that, you know, it's something that you have to do on a day-to-day basis. You know, how can you exercise and and practice these virtues um, so that you can bring yourself to being playful and at the end of the day, be the best version of yourself. Who wouldn't want that? Absolutely. And speaking to the fourth one, that it can often be in the most unexpected of places. If you are like, oh, I have to go to the doctor today. Uh, You know, you could say, what if the hospital were a playground? What could I find playful about going to the hospital? Um, and the humor in it, and just in the ridiculousness of the anything from the decor to those paper gowns they make you make, but all the toys in the room when the doctor isn't looking, there's a whole lot to play with in there. Yes. <laughs> and so you can make it fun. You can make it fun. But you, but it does take practice because I think if I if I didn't see the world through the lens of humor and laughter and play, um, I would be stuck in in grief. And sometimes I forget even though I teach it every day, sometimes I forget. So to your fourth one, I think finding playmates, like I have to find people like you and like my friend Kirsten, it's like, remind me of something fun. Remind me of what's fun or funny about anything. Just tell me anything of a joke or send me a meme or um, remind me of something I've said, because sometimes we need people to mirror that back and to open up the opportunity for us to, uh, to access that part of ourselves. Like it's lost so quickly. Yes. And again, energy is everything. Everything is energy and emotions are contagious. So, uh, and that's, it's like one of those things where, again, if you follow, uh, and I, I, I love, uh, star Wars and I, and I, I'm a big fan. So I call this being a play rebel, uh, because it, it seems counterintuitive, especially to like our normal state of, of, of being of like, no, we have to be serious right now because we're at work or something like that. And I said, well, imagine if you could rebel playfully, you know, and but the whole point is to bring joy mm-hmm. and to bring um, all those good things, uh, you know, to the world, because most of the time when you're at work, 
you don't think that you can be playful. So I said, well, how about you rebel? Let's rebel. Let's be playful. You know, I, I find that very interesting. An act of playful rebellion um, is something that are going to bring people together. And uh, sometimes you have to rebel against your yourself because sometimes yourself, you think it's doing it for your own good, but it's just trying to keep you safe. Uh, but, you know, you're right. When you're in grief, um, I'm not one, you know, I think all emotions are necessary and it's like the weather, they come to flow through. But yeah. I like I like to say it's okay to be a mess. Absolutely. You just can't stay there. Right. Right. We we do this. My my kid comes down um often comes downstairs with his just blanket over his head, like and and we say, Are you Darth Vader or are you Obi-Wan right now? And yeah, yeah. He, and he's both often, but he, he either responds with like some Darth Vader noise or he takes out his hood, he takes out his lightsaber and we start to play and, you know, he's the light or he's the darkness or he's both and he's the paradox. And um, yeah, finding, finding way. I love that you bring Star Wars into it too. <laughs> we bring, we bring that imagery in um, as well. And I've, I've heard you say that play is the opposite of work and i think you also mentioned because i there's been a couple of phrases plays the opposite of depression and lately i've heard plays the opposite yes. of perfection and like i'm like yes. yes to all that yes to all that which one do you uh usually refer to yeah it's both uh perfection and uh depression because there are barriers to play and i feel like those are some of the key barriers uh, trying to be per uh, trying to be perfect that's a barrier to play because again play is messy Yes. play uh you know if you're trying to be perfect you're not gonna be playing because play is all about getting dirty play is all about experimentation play is all about um uncertainty mm -hmm. um and if you're you know again uh the you know brian sutton smith who who coined that uh the opposite of work isn't play or the opposite of play isn't work the opposite of play is depression it's true because if you think about when you're and when you're in work um and you are doing something again play is doing something for the sake of doing it mm -hmm. so the act of doing it is the reward in and of itself so if you're working and you are uh solving problems if you're being creative you're probably going to get into this state of flow yes where time is just passing by and you are solving challenges and it's enjoyable well guess what you're working and playing they are coexisting mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. And I love that feeling of time flying by and the things we did in childhood where time flew by could potentially be the things that we can access now in adulthood. Right. Um, in some way we could, we could reframe them or tweak them yep. to uh, simulate that same experience. But I feel like every adult needs something in their life that, that lights them up so much that time passes by. Um, yes. And you need to follow your compass of joy. That's what it's yeah. all about. Um, it's that internal GPS that we, I, I guess, inherently turn off because we think that, um, you know, there's a lot of play shame where we're like, oh, no, you know, um, I'm not supposed to do that or whatever the case may be. And so you're right. You turn, you know, we turn that off and then, you know, we are sort of like zombies going through life and, and who wants, who wants that? Right. And you challenge people, you do play challenges. Tell us about yes. those. Yeah, and so my my most recent play challenge uh, is was called the playful rebellion playful rebellion challenge, and the point about that was trying to get adults 
to rebel against the status quo of work and adulting using the power of play and and the four virtues that I told you about earlier. And it was really interesting. So it was a 30 day challenge. And it um, as of this recording, it is just finishing. And uh, we had about 160 people sign up and about 60 to 70 actually uh, actively participate uh, in a 30 day challenge. And it was so amazing to see the transformations that were taking place. Mm. Um, And it's one of those things where um, I feel like it's, it's through mindset shifts and, and tiny practices. You can, you can sort of light this up in people because it was interesting where, uh, uh, like I said, 160 people said, Oh, this sounds interesting. But when it got started and then now you're like, all right, there's these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the people who were open to playing, open to seeing the world through another lens, were the ones who really got into it and took the tiny steps. And then after 30 days, you know, I had some people uh, private message me and say, you know, um, couples therapy went better because yeah. of uh, this sort of mindset. I'm like, oh, awesome. Cool. I love it. All right, let's keep going. You know, people, someone said, you know what I did today? Um, I normally don't do this, but I told my kids, all right, what do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, I'm all game. And, and, and again, seeking out invitations to play and uh, embraced all of that. And, and they said that it was so much fun and liberating. Mm. Those are wonderful testimonials. Better, better parents, better lovers because of 30 right. days of a play challenge. I know. Right. Imagine, imagine this, this is the thing where a lot of times like, you know, it's all about that comfort zone, right? And there's uncertainty, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. But imagine if you embrace the playful mindset. And yeah, your cup, uh, your your partner said, Hey, why don't we try this? It it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, it could be anything. Right. But where you would typically say no, just for reasons, you know, of safety and and not wanting to look stupid. Mm -hmm. And imagine that you realize that, oh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to connect on a deeper level, regardless of what happens. It's not like the event is the event, but it's bigger than that. It's the it's the fact that um, your partner is inviting you to play. Yes. And you're having this moment together where you're connecting and bonding. And like, imagine the possibilities if that was like the normal practice in a relationship compared to for safety, you say no, and you know, sort of do that. And that becomes the norm. Well, how is that going to be conducive to a healthy relationship? Because I have a feeling that the, you know, out of love or whatever, the partner is probably going to stop inviting you to play. Yes, right, right. They'll continue to feel that resistance. Sometimes we, uh, my husband and I use Brene Brown again. The story I'm telling myself is, but we do it in a playful game way. It's always an interesting, deep and um, revealing conversation, but we're like, all right, let's play that game. The story I'm telling myself is the reason you didn't hug me is because you're angry or whatever the, the situation. I'm like, oh no, I just didn't want to walk upstairs or whatever it was. And we can gain a new understanding of each other. And to do that through play makes it feel safer, easier to say, easier to hear, easier to engage in. So. Yeah, that's a naturally playful 
way of of having a difficult conversation. Yes. Yeah. Because one, uh, you know, typically when that happens, when you don't have that, yeah. it's a lot of judgment and it's a lot like, again, you're coming from a place of fear and scarcity yeah. and stuff like that. And then the other person naturally puts on the other one. And, you know, yeah. if you if anyone who's listening have heard of transactional analysis um, might be familiar with this work, it, it's um, uh, the book I've I, I'm. Uh, spacing on the author, but the title of the book is called Games People Play. Okay. And it's all about these scenarios that are very predictable. And the the book is very interesting because it puts all of these predictable uh, situations into a game, which essentially, you know, there is two players um, in this game. And usually, uh, well, no, in, in this uh, uh, book of transactional analysis, uh, because of the situation, someone is being put into a metaphoric parent situation the other person is being put into a medic for child situation and they're not having an adult to adult situation you know uh and that's happening on an unconscious level mm -hmm. and the cool thing about play and that playful way of having that conversation is that boom it busts open everything because we have that vulnerability we're we're not thinking about ourselves we have rules to play by and you're right it allows us to have a very difficult conversation in a, a lighter way and we will get what we ultimately want is to be heard absolutely, absolutely. and validated as well yes yes and for parents who are perhaps having to have difficult i'm thinking about like the sex talk right now having difficult conversations um with our kids like finding ways to make it you're not like face to face sitting you know at, at the dining room, we have to talk now, but perhaps it's while you're playing cards or while you're playing or while you're playing the game of life, do you happen to bring it up? The other day, we and I think a lot of parents hold, and maybe I'm just, I'll just speak for myself. I hold a lot of shame for how much screen time is going on in my house. Um, for my kid, that's his distraction. That's his way to numb out and his pleasure. Um, I probably do too much online just to distract myself from the grief. And we were trying to uh, figure out like, what kind of game can we play without a screen or without a device? And we're sitting down at, at the dinner table and sometimes we play cards, but we started to, um, we were just like, let's just make friends with this idea that, that Alexa is like in our life. So Alexa, name a number between one and four random number. And Alexa says a number. And we had lined up all of my son's uh, vegetables that he hates to eat on the plate. No problem. Once Alexa just named out two, he ate the second one in line. Alexa gives a random number between one and four, four. He ate the fourth one. No resistance whatsoever. Like all of a sudden something that's such a struggle every single night became a game. And it helped me also. Um, I was like, all right, all right. There are ways to do this parenting thing through difficult conversations, through difficult moments, letting go of the shame of technology, letting go of the shame of judgments <laughs> and doing it perfectly. Um, it was liberating to me. I know it seems like a small thing, but we're like, okay, we got this. We're gonna, and we just sneak it in, sneak it in as much as we well, can. See, that is such a powerful thing. And, and it really uh, goes back to what we said at the top of the show of when you're in a play like state, you will suspend yes. all belief for the rules of the game. Yes. And it's, it's, it's so powerful how this, how this works. And because it's activating a different part of our brain mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, cool. It's here's the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact. Um, 
my four-year-old uh, lately has been having um, like just some separation anxiety of like not wanting to be separate from us, um, especially with all that's going on and, and, you know, in the world and stuff like that. And it's, you know, we're trying to sort of keep him informed of what's going on, you know, and not necessarily shelter him, but do it in a gentle way. Um, but still like, you know, he's you know sort of scared. And then plus uh, there was a fire in the neighborhood recently and that was kind of scary. Like it, we were completely safe, but again, you know, energy is everything everything's energy like that sort of thing like sort of you yeah. know uh sort of uh, affected him and so he was going through a thing where he like if he wanted to go get something out of his room like uh, not, mama dada you come too mm -hmm. and you know want to support but at the same time we're like dude you, all the lights are on it's 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 five o'clock in the afternoon like you can do it however you know we don't want to do that and so it was really interesting made it a game i was like hey how about i time you all right here we go all yeah. right on your mark, cassette, like, and once you know what people's sort of play personality is, Dr. Stuart Brown in his book, he talks about the different play personalities. You can activate that. And it was, it was so interesting. He went from being scared again in the limbic system to being invited to play. So now we're getting into the prefrontal cortex and we're getting all that sort of activated. And he like pew, sprinted to his room and, okay. and came back with it. And we're like, all right, cool. Again, it's the, you know, it, it was a game and he suspended all like sort of fear and stuff like that for the rules of the game. Yes. Yes. And now you can, you could probably use that lots of times with a four-year-old. You could probably do that over and over hundreds of times and it'll still be fun yes. as they get to become teenagers. Like, yeah, I know that trick. I know. Right. Like, exactly. My son still, because a tick bit him, which got him really sick. He's scared of all bugs, like even a ladybug. So he won't go upstairs by himself at 13. He's bigger than me. He won't mm -hmm. go upstairs. So we grab the, we honor the, his fear. We honor um, the, you know, scary big ladybug. And we give him a lightsaber, back to Star Wars. This is all circling yep. back to Star Wars. Give him a lightsaber, like, come on, let's go up there. Let's attack the ladybug. We start swinging the lightsaber. Agreed. Yeah. And then we go up, we're like, we get, you're scared. Let's, let's do this. And then he takes his power back. Now, of course, we're laughing. The ladybug looks really small. And, you know, we just have to think of something new each time, which is a challenge, but also fun. But yeah, yeah. it shifts everything. Everything. I, I love honoring in my therapeutic comedy work. I love honoring people's grief and trauma and sadness and finding the edges of humor and play around any situation, even that. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's so empowering. It's so empowering. It is. Yeah. I, again, it goes back to uh, what I said. The third virtue is, you know, acceptance of reality. Yes. You know, that is their reality. Um, and uh, like, I have this belief that you know, people have their own map of reality, not yours. Mm. <laughs> you know, so uh, just because it's it doesn't seem true to me, doesn't mean that it's not true to someone else. And in order to like, again, navigate the world, you need to acknowledge people's rap, uh, acknowledge people's map of reality. And it may not be in alignment with yours. It doesn't mean that yours is less true or, or theirs is less true. It doesn't matter. It's like, again, let's just accept this is where it is. And that's how we can move on. And, and once you accept that, instead of trying to command control and comply, yeah. then you get into that playful spirit. Yes. I love that idea of accepting it. And in that there's a remaining of remaining curious to the other person's reality mm -hmm. um, 
and aware and uh, empathetic to it as well. And then, and then playing into it. That's beautiful. This is beautiful. This is so helpful for work and relationships and parenting. And then I often say like, you're just going to have a lot more fun if you learn to play with yourself because agree, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I, I, so like agreed, like again, sort of like what else can we sort of uh, other sort of myths can we sort of smack down with with the power of play It's like no yeah uh and i feel like this is one of the things to um and a quick plug to yeah plug away this is this is a time when i'm like hey how can everybody no. read Gary? And well this is a, a plug for a, a good friend of mine uh mark and angel chernoff they just wrote a new book called 1000 little habits mm -hmm. and um and it's the interesting thing is all about like relationships and stuff like that. But the first thing that they say in here is that it starts with you. I don't, it starts with you. That's the first thing. And, you know, they also talk about joy in here and how you need to put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. You need to take care of yourself mm -hmm. before, um, you know, before you can do all these other things. And two, you can't expect other people to change. Like you, again, you have to accept reality. Mm -hmm. and just say this is what it is and and that for some people is challenging especially yeah. you know when someone that you love so dearly maybe is suffering or having something like that you know you feel like you know by you also sort of taking on that energy you're doing them a service but are you really right right yes yeah beautiful and I love that you could do it in a hundred thousand different tiny little habits tiny little ways right tiny tiny Yes, but it adds up cumulatively, like in your 30 day challenge, there was probably 30 tiny little challenges that turned into a better counseling session, or a better day of parenting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like compound interest, if, if you know about math. <laughs> I, uh, don't, I don't know. About neither math. do I. That's like not my jam. Two ADHD but, uh, people talking math. Now we're now we're going deep in doo -doo right now. Gary. No, no, no. I was like, <laughs> anyways, <I'm> yes. Afraid of. <laughs> Edit, edit. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> but compounding, I can understand. Yes. So, Gary, I love following your work. Um, I've watched your TED Talks. I've been on your website. Of, I just, I just follow you on Instagram and Facebook and all the places. Where is the easiest place for people to find you and access all of your brilliance? Yeah, you could, you could go to my website breakthroughplay.com. Uh, from there, uh, there are multiple paths to the playground uh, where we can play uh, all my links to all the social medias and whatnot. And if the talks about my 30 day play challenge interests you, uh, you can go to breakthroughplay.com slash playful rebellion. Um, and there that's where you can get on the list so that you can be the first to know the next time I run another 30 day play challenge, uh, because this one is almost over. And then we're going to take a little break and we're going to reset and then we'll probably be another do another one here shortly. Um, so, um, yeah, love to have you on the playground. You're practicing what you preach. You're resting before you do another challenge. Of course. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Gary, for joining us today. My pleasure. Yes. Right? This has been a, I, we've just been playing. We've just been playing and time just flew by. Like, seriously, I could do this all day, every day with you.
Me too. Me too. It is in my pleasure to talk to you. It is in my pleasure to play. It is in my pleasure to reframe um, my stories through the lens of humor. And um, please do reach out to Gary, everyone out there. And if you want to continue the conversation with me, you could find me at PashaMarlo.com and all the places through Pasha Marlo, Instagram and Facebook. And I'm looking for a, a pleasure sponsor, which doesn't only mean sex toys, like anything related to that's fine too, but play or pleasure, laughter. Yeah. Bring it. So looking for a podcast sponsor, everyone out there <laughs> and, and subscribe. So you can find out about all these cool new uh, episodes coming up. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Good to see thank you. you. <laughs> Bye.